If you're hearing my voice right now, then you're listening to High Mystery, <laughs> the podcast where comedians smoke weed and talk about mysteries in our universe, and today is no different. Unless, of course, you're compiling your tapes of Rob's voice. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't even want to hear myself that much. I'm Robert. I'm Colin. And I'm Lance. That's right. We're the team from High Mystery. <laughs> That's our special guest there. Yes. How's it Lance, going? yes, that's uh, Lance's uh, friend from high school. I've known him for a long time now, and um, a long time. <laughs> Nobody needs to know my age. <laughs> <answers. laughs> uh, and if you're listening, uh, yeah, Tristan's not with us today. He's out for the week, but uh, he'll explain that shit next week. So. Or he won't. It might just be a mystery for you all, because that's what we do on the show. <laughs> Uh, as we've been doing with our guests on their first time on the show, we would love to hear about your first time smoking weed ever. My first time smoking, okay. Uh, I was a dare kid in high school. So yeah, you were. I was accused of smoking weed since I was like 12 and never tried it until I was 19. I uh, moved to Tahoe after high school and I uh, didn't want to be the only 20 year old that had never smoked pot before. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I, I guess I got to do this. And where we grew up, it was easier to like know where to get weed than it was to get alcohol. Like, so sure. it's like always something that was available. It's just like, ah, no, thank you. I, I want to be above the influence or whatever. <laughs> uh, but uh, I ended up going to a party in Tahoe and like, you know, the pipe came around and I tried it. I'm like, okay. And I remember trying it every single time, like just waiting, I'm like, okay, when's this thing gonna happen? Like, what's this, what's this bad kid high thing gonna be? What is mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. uh, and the entire night I did not get high and I kept smoking as much as I could, like around those people and their weed. And so I remember driving home with everybody in the car and I'm like, all right, like, how do you know when you're high? Mm -hmm. And I did that two more times at two more parties and I just did not get high at all. And eventually I bought a pipe bought a bag of weed and like was in my room. It's like, okay, let's do this. And, uh, <laughs> I'm determined to get high, damn it. <laughs> Four times the charm. <laughs> uh, and then once I did get high, like on my own supply and doing my own thing, it was like completely, I felt like I'd been lied to, like from the very first, like, those bastards, like whatever this is, I have to get some research in, I gotta figure this out. And uh, it's been like 20 years now that I've been doing my research in it. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's, it was definitely like love from the beginning and mm -hmm. uh, like knowing that there was something in it but that it was just for me and I had to figure out like what that thing was uh, yeah so nice and for those that don't know uh, Lance is deep in this industry he's True. been uh, deep opening up uh, dispensaries deep. and whatnot uh, and so yeah of all the friends in high school surprisingly we didn't smoke it together in high school but <laughs> now know. he's like we're the only people that smoke from high school now. Rob's high school starts smoking more weed. We went to a wedding of the guy who used to sell weed in yeah. high school, and nobody wanted to join us, and we were like, all right, let's go uh, smoke. And then all of a sudden, it was like me and Bobby hanging out. I was like, oh, this is good. We smoke the same, finally. This yeah, is right. good. yeah. I, I, brought, I brought blunts down last time I was in town. Nobody smoked with me. We got shit-faced, hammered, drunk. Many times that uh, trip, but n never anyone wanting to get in on the uh, smoke sesh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Come to our town. It's a lovely town. You've got to be the white knight of weed from now on, Rob. <laughs> 
crushing sobriety where it comes. Just making it available. Being yes. around. It's yes. like, oh, that's the guy with weed. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily <laughs> want to be known as that guy, but it's not the worst thing to be known mm-hmm. for, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the podcast where we smoke a ton of weed, which is why we're talking about it. Today I have King Palm Rollies, which are becoming my signature lately. Uh, I've got inside Mimosa, Fortune mm-hmm. Cookies, and Super Jack. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also want to note, I've been dealing with a little bit of like a chest cold, and there's lots of ways for you to smoke weed alongside people without spreading your disease. Uh, <laughs> they make special tips you can put on the end. Maybe sometimes you've been to a public thing or like a hookah bar where you put on the little different plastic tips each time you hit it. So that's one way. Or you can just smoke personals and chief blunts on your own. So I've got both. Uh, ideas to employ here if need be. (laughs) I've got some personals if I need them, and I've got the little cone to put on the back of other joints. And uh, today is a little different um, in that Lance brought weed. (laughs) <laughs> which none of our guests uh, other than Mike yeah. has done that in the past so yeah we is, usually supply but yeah. uh, I know. wasn't expecting a mug so uh, I truly <laughs> appreciate this opportunity yes. to like bring and share and it is what I do for a living so, and being around all of this like amazing top shelf stuff or fire whatever you want to call it is it's it's a privilege and so i love sharing it and with everyone as much as i can but this feels like i'm sharing it with more than just like you guys but sharing it with a room and listeners and all of it so it feels like higher which Uh, we're up to like fourteen thousand downloads roughly so we're we're ticking up there we're very happy thank you for listening Uh, (laughs) if you've got something to spark spark alongside us while lance gives us a breakdown Come join us. fancy uh, things he's got for us. So I brought a couple pre-rolls. Uh, one is Lowell Farms, which I think everyone from Los Angeles knows. Uh, yep. A very big company in uh, California that does pre-rolls. Uh, this is a single pre-roll, uh, double OG sour kush. Mm. Uh, Lowell has been doing packaging really well for a couple of years. It's also where they fall into like their issues uh, because there's a lot of like new regulations about how things have to be packaged. Pre-rolls have to have their own testing and stuff like that. So there's mm. testing at so many different stages. And then once it's packaged, it has to be packaged and sold like that. So having more than one pre-roll in a package makes it this huge clusterfuck. Uh, <laughs> so these individual ones are done really well. They have like little matches in there. Uh, so I it's do like, love the matches. They are some <laughs> top-notch matches. He's a big fan of Top shelf matches. (laughs) No testing on those matches. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Henry's, I haven't seen that brand before. Henry's is uh, from up north, uh, and they are like small batch, and they work with like the same cooperative growers that have been growing for like years. So a lot of like these strains are like land race sativas. You probably like them. Uh, Things like Acapulco Gold and things. I think in fact this is Acapulco Gold. So like the, the stuff that people really like connect with and touch upon like all the old school stoners from Vietnam they love all those like ran- land race sativas and everything mm-hmm. uh, and then the thing that I brought and rolled uh, is a blunt and uh, the flower that I got was banana OG from West Coast Cure it was in a can uh, mm-hmm. and that is usually the best stuff um, since they can't see what's in there uh, they put a lot of energy into making it look good and having it be top shelf and so I, I think it should be uh, it is it is a nice little experience. I mean, everybody's open like a can of tuna or a, something like that for your cat. And like, it's nice to open a can like that, but then all of a sudden you're met with this awful tuna smell. <laughs> but when you're doing it with a beautiful strain of weed, you pop that sucker open and it's just like, oh, 
Yeah, I it's like to think of it there. as like That's opening a, a can of Pringles or a can of tennis balls. <laughs> 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 you open it and you get to smell that nice fresh Pringle and or Pringles, tennis ball. <laughs> Pringles don't open that way. Pringles don't open that they don't, way? They don't have the roll back like a tennis Not anymore. Can. It's, it's more like the, uh, it's, it's just, just a paper. Yeah. It's, I mean, been, a, it's been a while. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry that I shattered your world. You know. uh, it's a good point. Normally you hold your breath when you're like opening to and you're like, I don't want that. Yeah. Like your first whiff when you open that because it's under gas and it just like expands as soon as it opens. Yes. Uh, but they say they can last for more than a year in there. So if you uh-huh. are like compiling for, you know, the end of the world. Like, sure. This is the weed that you need. Mm. Or if the world does end, you know where to source the stuff. <laughs> Still good. For one year. <laughs> uh, well, today, I brought in the mystery that we're going to be talking about. I assume somebody's going to spark something. Yeah, let's do this Lowell Farms action. I'm going to spark that baby. Done. Today, the mystery that I brought in is the disappearance of Ted Conrad. Ted Conrad, where'd you go? Where the fuck are you, Ted? Where are you, Ted? We may never know. Ted! I might. Uh, oh, nice. Ooh, the match. <laughs> for, those, for those that hear. Spark that joint. Spark that joint. Uh, yeah, I might, uh, I might let you in on a little information on what, who Ted Conrad might just be uh, today. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yes, yes. All right. So, on Friday, July 11th, 1969. 1969. What a good year. It's a great year. There's only one 69 in the century, so, you know, (laughs) it's good stuff. That is true. That is true. Uh, A 20-year-old Ted Conrad left his job at Society National Bank in Cleveland and was never seen again. Being a big Steve McQueen fan... Conrad would watch The Thomas Crown Affair, a movie that had been released earlier in the year. And With began... Pierce Brosnan. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he no, was no. in it. It's great. Stop steals, talking. Steals a painting. How dare you? As a lawyer, <laughs> they can't search his house because his lawyer's no. there. No. I saw it. Talking the King of Cool over here. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan, King of Cool. <laughs> uh, he began emulating the character from that movie. He would dress like McQueen. He drove an MG sports car like the character did. Oh, okay. Like he went out and got the car? Yeah, Yeah, he's like all about Steve McQueen. He even learned to speak French like the character in the movie. Wow. Quick study. He should see the Pierce Brosnan one. (laughs) I mean, he might have. (laughs) He might be emulating that character. Where is he? What state or... Uh, Do we get that? We might have. We might have gotten there. (laughs) Cleveland. Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, got it. Cleveland rocks. Cleveland rocks. Ohio! (laughs) It didn't rock at the time. Okay. Friday, July 11th was Conrad's 20th birthday. He spent his lunch break at a nearby liquor store where he purchased a bottle of Canadian Club whiskey and a carton of Marlboros and brought them back in a brown paper bag and showed everyone at the bank the gift he got himself. The gift he got himself? Yeah. Is a carton of cigarettes really a gift to yourself? Was the drinking age not 21 at this time? I guess not. He was 20 and he was able to get it. Okay. Well, I mean, this is 1969. Yeah. I I mean, I know when (laughs) my dad was a kid, you could send the kid down to the liquor store and pick up your booze for you. So probably just more lax. 
at the end of the day, Conrad took his whiskey and cigarettes and headed home to his apartment in Lakewood. At 7.26 that night, Ted called his girlfriend and told her he was going to a rock concert in Erie, Pennsylvania. At 7.26, Conrad hopped into a cab with a suitcase and headed out to Cleveland Hopkins International Airport. That was the last anyone saw Ted Conrad. Nobody at the airport? He never checked in or anything like that? Well, they don't... (laughs) 1969, they don't have that kind of, you know, information. You could probably just Don't they up. still keep records at the airport? Of, like, flights being... I mean, I don't I don't think so. It's not I mean, like you gotta make a reservation, right? You don't just show up and buy a ticket. I don't know. It's 1969. It's 1969. It's a whole different world. If you yeah. could probably just get on a different plane and, like... <laughs> like it's like hailing a cab. <laughs> you're just out on the runway, like, Hey! You've got Houston! <laughs> Especially if you're a Steve McQueen, like, wannabe. You yeah, just, like, that's... give a little finger gun and, like, walk around <laughs> and you're in Acapulco. Yeah, slap a waitress on the butt and go on. <laughs> about your day. Oh, it's <laughs> so, is he rich then? Because he has the sports car that Steve McQueen's got. And not an not, expensive car. No. Oh, it's, really? MGs are not. Okay. Yeah, it's, not even and he's a, he works at a bank, so he's probably one of the richer 20-year-olds, I guess. So you mean the original Thomas Crown affair? Thomas Crown's not super rich? I mean, he's driving a nice car. It, it ain't a Honda a, Civic. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry for anyone driving a Honda Civic. <laughs> They're fine cars. <laughs> Get an Accord. <laughs> yes, I'm with you now. It, it's just a, it's just middle of the road kind of car. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a Mazda Miata. Mazda Miata. It's literally exactly. Yeah. That. <laughs> it's literally exactly yeah. a Mazda Miata. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no one noticed Conrad was missing until work began the following Monday. They found not only Conrad missing, but also $215,000 in cash, which adjusted for inflation would be about $1.3 million. And they find this in his apartment? No, they just found it missing from the bank he worked at. Oh, I see. So he was... He intentionally yeah. disappeared. <laughs> the old switcheroo, you thought he was going to be kidnapped or something? Oh, yeah, I thought it was going to be grisly, yeah. horrible, yep. bloodstains. Nope. <laughs> that struggle. It was the opposite. Yeah. No, he was like, uh, I gotta get, I gotta go in the bank back, back. I gotta go in the back of the bank. <laughs> yeah, Conrad worked in the vault of the bank. So oh, I don't know. So he was in the back of the bank all the time. Yeah, he, he was keys. constantly in that vault. He didn't even need an excuse. Yep. You open the, you open the vault. He's sitting there in a chair playing tiddlywinks. <laughs> Gold coin. Uh, after his disappearance, Conrad's girlfriend received letters postmarked from airports in Inglewood, California, and Washington, D.C. Three months after his disappearance, he was spotted by a couple touristing in Hawaii. They said they spoke to a young man at a bar that claimed to have had an apartment near the Honolulu Zoo. It wasn't until they returned home when they recognized the man from a news report and contacted authorities. I think I've been to the Honolulu Zoo. Mm-hmm. That's Waikiki Beach is on Honolulu, right? You know, I don't know. There's Tristan would know. know. Yeah, I know oh. Tristan. Doing. <laughs> He's been. He was just in Hawaii. There. He probably saw Conrad. Uh, Later that year, authorities intercepted a correspondence in which Conrad explained to a friend that he has 
radically altered his appearance. But uh, since then, there have been no definitive sightings of Conrad. Uh, so he just peaced out. Yep. There's nothing too crazy about it. He just stole some money and bounced. But exactly. he came back. That's that's the rest of the, the mystery. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's there's got to be a statue of liberty. Okay, wait. Remind me, remind me the amount of money adjusted for inflation. $1.3 million. Okay. In today's money? <laughs> In today's money. It seems like nothing to disappear with. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. 1.3, and maybe it's harder to disappear in 2019 with, you know, cameras everywhere and facial recognition technology. But 1.3 million doesn't seem like enough. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty nice to start out on. I mean, can it's you a good even, way to make more. Can yeah. you even bathe in caviar at that point? <laughs> Come on, guys. Oh, we're talking about money. If he went to Hawaii, then he's like, he's <coughs> staying within the United States, so he's not yet brave enough to go out. But, like, I would assume that once you get away with something like that, like, doesn't that kind of start you on a continued Steve McQueen path of right? cool, like... Yeah, chicken or the egg <laughs> at this point. I mean, at that point, you could just do whatever you're passionate about and not worry about money. At least not for t 10, 20 years. Yeah. But I mean, one 20-year-old knows what they're passionate about. Like, <laughs> he, like, this, guy, me, this guy Steve knew McQueen. exactly what he wanted. He wanted to be cool. Yeah, like, he wanted to be like cool. He wanted to rob a bank. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most 20-year-olds just want to, like, booze and party hard and sleep with people. That's also a good start. Yeah, right? So if you've got the <laughs> yeah. money to do that, then he's probably happy. Well, he has not contacted any of his friends or family since the 60s. Uh, nevertheless, 50 years later, the hunt for Conrad is still ongoing. Still? Yep. Huh. Retired U.S. Marshal John Elliott, who has oh. been tracking Conrad since his disappearance. Oh, I thought that was going to be his new identity. No. John Elliott. <laughs> John Best Elliott. cover. <laughs> you know, he's the guy that's actually tracking himself. He's the smart guy. Don't <laughs> worry, I'm on the case. Really, who are you, John Elliott? You said it's still going on. It made no sense. Like That means there's one guy who's just like, the, won't give it up. Because... Yeah, definitely this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so John Elliott's, you know, he's... Got his magnifying glass to the ground, walking through airports and stuff, right? So what, does he find anything? Well, he said he knew the case would be difficult when he asked to see the bank's fingerprint records <laughs> and found they didn't keep any. Yeah. And with no criminal record, the standard uh, investigation tool was instantly off the table. Cleveland rocks! Cleveland rocks! Ohio! <laughs> uh, Elliot was 23 when he took on the case and is 73 now. Damn. <laughs> I thought about this the other Just day. How, like, if you're a detective, you can literally spend your entire career on one case. Yeah. He, re he remains convinced that Conrad will be caught, <laughs> even at this day. Wow. It's well, going to be a nice TV when it happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, he can't very well go back on it. He's like, nah, that guy's dead. <laughs> He's in a ditch somewhere. I'm pretty sure about it. All right. Now, here's where things get weird. Fast forward to 2008. Anthony Bourdain is on location in Hawaii filming an episode of No Reservations where he and Raylan Hillhouse interview a man named Jack Thompson. Oh, Jackie Toms. Who is the last person living in Royal Gardens, a small development built in the 60s on top of an active volcano. 
Yeah, so lava's literally rolling over houses yep. around him. Literally. Yeah. And he's like, nah, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to stay. <laughs> this yep. happens. This I, has been happening for the last three decades. It's been slowly <laughs> just demolishing houses in this area of Hawaii. And he's stayed there the entire time. And he was the last person on the island. Even, even after his transportation off the island had been cut off. Yeah. We, we watched the yeah. Bourdain episode and there's one moped on his island. That's it. And he, he owns and operates it. So Anthony Bourdain and his like production crew, the guy rides out on his moped and then he's like, all right, I'll see you at the house. And then they proceed to walk like 20 minutes because yeah. <laughs> there's no other way to get them to the house. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I'm like, how do you get milk <laughs> or bread? There were a few odd things about the interview with Jack that raised some eyebrows. First, Raylan Hillhouse, a.k.a. Ray J. Hillhouse, is a spy novelist, national security and intelligence community analyst, and former smuggler during the Cold War. Certainly an odd dinner guest for Bourdain to bring with him to his home. <laughs> Wait, um, this is the guy who went with Bourdain to this guy's house? Yeah. Okay. This is a woman. Okay. Uh, Jack Thompson, probably the most generic name a white man could have in Hawaii, uh, looked a whole lot like an aged Ted Conrad. Oh. Looks exactly like how Ted Conrad would look 50 years down the road. Ted, Ted Conrad, also the most generic name for a white man. That's <laughs> true. Maybe yes. it was an alias to start out with. <laughs> Who knows? Uh... I love the idea that there's, like, a wall somewhere in this house on Hawaii where he's, like, crossed out, like, Stan Smith. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Jim Mitchell. <laughs> like, what other generic white guy names are there? <laughs> uh, during the interview, Jack Thompson behaved strangely. He, he does, indeed. He evaded questions about his past, just did, like, just kind of brushed him off and didn't talk about him. Uh, what he did say was that he purchased his home on the island at the age of 22 and has lived there ever since. <laughs> How about that? The timeline! <laughs> <laughs> so after the film crew left his home, uh, Thompson was forced to relocate from the property. Um, Last anyone ever heard from Jack is that he was living in his second home in, I don't know how to say this, but Analoa. Uh, his home uh, on the property. I think it's actually Analoa, Analoa. <laughs> and you have to belly dance a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just a little bit. bit. A little bit. Uh, his home on the property has since burned down. Um, like lava actually hit it mm -hmm. and burned it. Yeah, it was that. It's been reclaimed. Yeah. I think the government owns it after that. It's now mm -hmm. owned by Hawaii. That would make sense to me. I mean, although it's like, what good is it owning fresh lava? <laughs> it's a tourist trap. That's true. Literally. Research station. Maybe. Hey, you want to burn the bottom of your shoes? <laughs> well, if Jack is Ted, there is some consolation <laughs> in that he was not compensated by the insurance company, losing him the full cost of his home valued at $350,000. However, that still left him with approximately a million dollars worth of cash well, not also, invested in that house. Also, we're assuming he's been living out there not spending or earning a dime. But, I mean, he could make money. I mean, he does have the second home. So, um, 
you know, with that, if that house was worth $350,000, I got to wonder, maybe the next one is probably worth two hundred, maybe a hundred thousand. You've got two homes now. Yeah. He might just be making money off of rent from that other one. It is tough for me though. Like if you have been missing for forty plus years, thirty plus years, why would you go on TV? I kind of feel like it fits, like, because I was trying yes. to think the same thing, like, Steve McQueen style. This exactly. idea, yeah, like, you couldn't give it up, especially towards the end of your life. Like, mm. this is how you, like, came in. This is what's taking care of you forever. It's, like, this kind of, like, He's literally, like, thing. enjoying the cat and mouse of it. Yeah, this. I, I, it makes a little bit of sense to me. Like, I would think that there would be either, like, some kind of path. Like, I thought, like, the idea that it was his, he was searching for himself and he actually had become some kind of, like, investigatory guy. Like, that actually makes sense. <laughs> like, make it as ridiculous and self-centered as possible. Like, uh, But, like, just that little added touch of, like, at the very end, super awkward timeline. I, yeah. That's a fun mystery. That little nod to himself, like, yeah. I'm on TV right now and they can't even figure this out. Yeah. The crazy thing is we when we're watching that, they said his house had burned down. So yeah. do we know where he went? Yeah, I told the you. The second house. Is that no in Hawaii? Oh, yeah, that's Aloha, in, or is that like some suburb of Los Angeles? No, it's just a couple miles. Uh, it, this all happened on the big island. So he's oh. been on the big island the whole time. The oh. volcano burned down like this southern part of whole, the big <laughs> island of Hawaii. He just moved a few miles north. Got it. I would, all this time I was thinking there were two houses next to each other catching on flames in the lava. But I got it now. Yeah, it's yeah. two different Hawaiian islands. No, no. It's the same. It's all on the big island. This just happened on a part of the island. Oh, okay. The Royal got Gardens it. area is like a development that they made in the 60s. Got it, got it. And they like, you know, to boost uh, white people traveling to the <laughs> island. Uh, they on, built all these people. suburbs out there. And little did they know, like, ten years later, a volcano would open up on this <laughs> in this area and just burn down. Slowly, over three decades, just burn down houses and houses and houses. I've been to Hawaii one time, and it was, like, right when that thing started, like, in the 90s, when it was active again. Mm. And, like, it flew over in a helicopter and just, like, super hot. And it's like, okay, I, I now see what this thing is. Yeah. <laughs> It was scary to see like it going over the roads and just reclaiming things and having to build around that. Like I had never comprehended like more dirt, like maybe mudslides and things, but just just like a new pavement everywhere is, <laughs> right? over everything is intense. And just how it like completely destroys anything, any trace of something, yes, gone. Um, last thing I will say about Jack Thompson is a man named Chuck Denny who had been a frequent visitor of Jack's home, uh, was flown out with Jack when the lava began to take, overtake his property. He said the lava flow that overran Mr. Thompson's residence was unconventional and awkward. In Jack Thompson's style, at night, no media and no photographs by lava paparazzi to sell and benefit from at Jack's expense. Which is weird that he said that, that is in Jack's style, like at night, mysteriously. <laughs> like, <laughs> no photographs, no media. At night. Perfect Jack style. Jack likes anonymity, <laughs> there it is. Are we right. talking about the action of lava yes. overtaking his home? Yes. Like, like he just like put dynamite where the barrier was that he had built, and he's like, now it's ready. And it's just like, well, like, how, do you, how do you just like activate lava? Uh, I don't know. It was in Jack's style. Super mysterious. <laughs> at night. Yes. Super at night. mysterious at night. <laughs> that I would want Jack to style. see pictures of. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, he said that his visits to Jack's Lava House were life-changing, cl- yeah. <laughs> claiming Jack was genuine, animated, humorous, yet straightforward. Which is weird. Why would, why would that be like a descriptor you give somebody? Classic. Like he was really straightforward with you. <laughs> Tell you exactly what he wanted. He didn't mince words about it. Uh. <laughs> he said that Jack's Lava House was his sanctuary, <laughs> of which he was very protective. When lava overtook Jack's primary access to the outside world, he would have to take three to four miles uh, hikes in and out of town. This gave Jack time to dig deep into his <clears throat> mental archives. Oh, God. <laughs> Who talks about somebody like I this? I don't know. I don't I know. This guy is so des- weird. I would never describe your memories <laughs> or either of your memories as mental archives. <laughs> That's what they and said. Mental archives. Mental archives. Dig Makes me think that you're like in a hallway with like shelves all the way up, like 900 feet to the ceiling, and a decrepit old man comes out and he's like, "What volumes are you looking for today?" You know what I mean? He's the guy that wrote the volumes. Yeah. <laughs> was this was this guy? And he's writing his books now. You can't fire me from the mental archives. <laughs> I am the mental archives. <laughs> I remember. (laughs) Uh, He said by his fourth visit, he understood what that meant. So it leads me to believe that on his fourth visit, Jack let him in on this, like, hey, I robbed a bank this one time, and that's how I got all this money. He was forthcoming, right? He was very, he was very straightforward. Straightforward. That's uh, okay. Straight shooter. Straight shooter. He didn't mince words. <laughs> I just like the idea that this is all gay sex. It's fucking. I thought about like Plato and Socrates. That's all I could think of was like some Greek weird relationship that these men had. It was it was a sanctuary. They, and they got no one wants to know what that means. They got into togas and laid <laughs> on shea lounges and ate grapes. Quintessential Greece. Wrote about democracy. I wish I knew what a Greek accent sounds like today. <laughs> Welcome to Greece. Here's your Shea Lounge. Here's some grapes. <laughs> it's almost Italian, isn't yeah, it? It's, it's, it's very it's Italian. Italian. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's Greco-Roman. Too. Okay, got it. Uh, he said he gained... He said? He said this. He said... He said he gained Jack's friendship and built a trusting relationship. Okay. Jack even let Chuck house-sit for him for 17 days in 2011 when he left the island to visit family, the first time he left the island in nearly 30 years. Wow. I think we found our culprit. Yeah, I think there was a lot of exchanges like, I just can't quit you. (laughs) Well, the last thing Chuck said about Jack was that he was one in a million Oh, that's adorable. They're just a great couple, you guys. I just thought it was <laughs> that he used that one in a million. Well, yeah. if he's a real-life Steve McQueen, then, then no exaggeration. Yeah, right? had some money. Pretty great. <laughs> uh, but that's, that is just one internet theory that uh, I saw online. I couldn't find any other, like, connections between Jack Thompson and Ted Conrad. Like, no, nobody, no real sleuths are digging at this. And 
I guess it's not a very popular theory, but whoever wrote that online, it got me to look, watch that episode of No Reservations, and I was like, fuck yeah, this is Ted Conrad. <laughs> <laughs> Case closed. I mean, where's this 73-year-old? Why doesn't he have a fucking Google alert? <laughs> yes, he should be somewhere on camera. They should be talking with uh, the guy that he mentored, and and they, they should get some answers. Yeah. <laughs> Dig deep, come on. <laughs> I think they're both in love with the same man, so I mean, there should be something <laughs> worth sparking there. I guess it's hard to get a hold of Ted Conrad or what's his name? Yeah, Jack uh, Thompson. Jack Thompson, because like it said in the thing, no cameras, no press, no paparazzi photos of my house yeah. burning down. Oh wait, he's still alive. Oh, yeah, he's, he's still, still alive. alive. <laughs> yeah, there's some there videos of him online that he like you know of just because they interviewed him a couple of times during this whole. You're still on this, you know, this area of land that's burning down all around you. Why? And so there's definitely interviews with him that you could see and like clearly put the pictures next to each other. And you're like, God damn, if that ain't a fucking 73 year old Ted Conrad. He's <laughs> <laughs> like the same big years. Uh, no pictures for us. Oh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. We have a big screen. I mean, because we're, we're not filming today. Screen. He didn't think to put the TV on. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I was like, well. I mean, I'd love to see Ted Conrad next to Jack Thompson or whatever the fuck their names are. As a guest, I didn't have expectations. Yeah. Uh, it would have been nice. <laughs> I know. We start so late on this episode and everything. We're like, yeah, we can take our time. <laughs> Just jab it in there. Yeah. Bobby I'm wanted sorry, to be on time. Uh, yeah. No, I, I got I to eat my ceviche. I can't believe he did this to you. I mean, we you know every other guest. He's turned on the TV. <laughs> you can't like telecast it or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, we've got. God damn this blunt. <laughs> that's the end of your mystery. That's the it's end just, of. That's all the information I have. I'll. <laughs> while you know we did uh briefly talk about your paranormal experiences. I I, I told you my two. I have two yeah. things. I have never whether I'm high or not, never seen something that wasn't there. Uh, I've always wanted to. Uh, even when I tried ayahuasca a couple of nights in the jungle of Ecuador, I didn't get to uh, vision yet. I like it, That goddess did not come into me. Uh, but I have always wanted to, and I have like two kind of experiences. One was with my uh, wedding band when I was married about a decade ago uh, while I was in college, and uh, put it down after dinner got home after dinner and uh, put it down on my kitchen table. Hold on, I'm going to take a smoke of this blunt. Take that hit. Here's a backwood blunt. Take that hit. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is too good. <coughs> okay. Sorry about that. Dead so space. you're at home, the wedding ring's on the table. On the kitchen table on in my like two-bedroom apartment. And uh, the only thing that happened that night, uh, I just, you know, I threw my keys, threw everything right on the table like I always do every night, just normal. Uh, but I got up in the middle of the night and I had to take a piss. And when I flipped on the lights, I didn't have my eyes open, but this blinding, even with my eyes closed, blinding blue light, like electric blue white light, just spread across. I didn't know if it was front or behind me. I didn't even know what was going on, but the lights didn't turn on after that. And I just took my piss in the dark and went back to bed. So it was like it blew out, basically. It, the light in the morning, I recognized it did, okay. like, in, like, over the area that I was at. Yeah. Uh, like, in the hallway, I had to come out of the bedroom and turn right. Uh, so come out of the bedroom, turn left. It's like 9 a.m., I'm going to class, and uh, put my keys in my pocket to grab my wallet, put my wedding band on, and it will not go past my knuckle. And it looks <laughs> like an ache. 
Like, and I tried my very hardest to shape this thing back in, make it look like it was, like, I, I pushed upon it. I, like, I had tools, so I even, like, I was like, oh, put leather around it to try to, like, push it in yeah. all the 15 minutes that I had to try it. Uh, literally had to be taken to a uh, jewelerist, uh, jewelry human yeah, being, yeah. or what I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I am getting... Happily stoned. <laughs> this, this truly is high mystery. So I'm talking about my mystery right now. Inside myself, just like fucking stoned. Now, fucking were there any wandering blacksmiths in your home that evening? <laughs> was anybody just walking around with an anvil and a hammer, just slamming them together? <laughs> it was like a gated apartment. Like it, was, it was in a college town. Like it, it was. Uh, nothing out of the blue except for that little blue like it was yeah, ridiculous yeah. Uh, but uh, it had to be taken to while I was in class like taken to a person and they like reformed it literally yeah. where they had to protect the inscribing on it but they still had to like heat, heat it up, up. yeah, yeah. this thing <laughs> that's pretty crazy this this thing happened to, and it's it was one thing that I that day in class not wearing a wedding brand and knowing that at this point it's like okay this is not working as a marriage I could only like take it as a sign, and I was like, okay, what what the fuck does this mean? I, I wasn't paying attention to the spirits, my vocabulary class or whatever. <laughs> it's like Maybe. linguistics, and I'm just like, what? And what's happening here? And I don't know. Like I've always told myself, I, I'm always a person who uh, has to be careful what they wish for because I always fucking get it. Uh, like one time, I was like, ah, I've never broken anything, and I broke my arm three times within nine months. <laughs> I had a year of a cast in high school. Yeah, <laughs> it was not true. fun. <laughs> <laughs> like death was the same way and came into my life, and was like, oh, I've never seen death, and then death came right into my lap. It's like now deal with this, and and it's like these lessons, and I am this human being that has to deal with it. I, I take it on the chin. <laughs> I try to jump in, but uh, I had to like recognize that this was. Something that's real and weird, and now that I'm talking about it and sharing it, Liz, I say, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's fucking weird, just yeah. out of yeah. nowhere, the never spirits. happened before." It was like a real gold ring, like that gold was from <laughs> Ecuador, so that was a fucking real gold ring in there, and like, yeah, I'm weird. just picturing two really old spirits in your kitchen. Like, how do we tell this guy that this isn't a good relationship for him? <laughs> I don't know, Martha. I, I don't have any ideas. What? Bend the ring. Bend the ring. Bend <laughs> the ring. I love this term. I didn't even think of this as, as like, a, like, no, just, just bend the ring. Like, yeah. <laughs> bend the ring. If See? anybody else out there has their, their ring bent, just, you know, just admit it to yourself, be honest, and uh, deal with the situation that you're in and uh, make it better for did, yourself. Did Colin just give you the idea to, for your future self? <laughs> Is this Colin's inception right yeah. now? So that was like, it, it had to have happened. I now have to concentrate super hard and make sure this, as a fact, happens, or else God knows where my yeah. life right now would be. I like, know. Yeah. I don't mean I don't know how time travel works. I've seen movies, uh, but that was the one idea that, like, in my head, I was like, maybe, maybe people can't time travel because biomass, like, weirdly complicated, and I wouldn't want to fucking put my face or brain. You know, I wear, I'd wear a helmet if I did anything scientific and face glasses or anything. Like yeah. on my bike, I'm the nerdiest. <laughs> Motherfucker. I was like, please protect me. Because uh, it's important. I studied the brain. This is it's, you wanted the you are your brain. So what it's, you're saying is potentially I, I think you referenced something we were talking yeah, we about talked last about it, night. Yeah. Uh, Lance does have a theory that at some point he time traveled back yes. to bend the ring. Yes. Thank to you give for himself the message. To bend the ring. God, that sounds so dirty and awesome. Man. <laughs> I love this. Because, you know, divorce is dirty and fucking awesome. Welcome to Urgent Care. What's wrong with you? <laughs> My, I got a bent ring. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
I'm got, sorry, I, 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 I bet my own ring. Yeah. <laughs> I partied too hard last night. I got a bit ring. Uh, I would do me, and in that, I don't know how sociopathic that makes me, but like the ultimate taboo, and uh, I would bend my own ring, is all I'm saying. <laughs> and then I go to the hospital for it. I'm like, oh, I'll fucking deal with this after. Uh, we've got the picture of Young's, yes. oh my God, what's his on. name? This is Ted Conrad, now the I need, bank robber. Now do we have a side Polish? Side? We have Jack. Okay, so we're looking at Jack Thompson, and I'm not... Okay, let's go back and come back. It's hard to see past the blood smoke. I do have to say they have very similar noses. Let me see the older guy again. And their eyebrows are pretty much the same. And they have big ears. Oh. Let's see the chin one more time. Okay, now back to the older guy. Very similar ears. Yeah. And right right. here, the cheeks, where the cheeks meet the nose, he has, like, that same, like, indent. I mean, they're they're not making the same expression, but you can see that indent. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a plausible to likely. (laughs) I mean, you can't see it in this picture, but he keeps his hair long in a ponytail. Oh, really? And, like... He definitely had long hair for the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. He's got that pointy chin, too. All right, so it might be him. I, that's... I, I was watching, I was like... You know, I'm glad that guy made the connection because he said he was watching it while doing um, this, like, report on this mystery. And so it was like he did, like, a podcast and talked about this guy. And uh, right afterwards saw this episode of No Reservation. He's like, wait a second. And made all the connections. (laughs) That's pretty amazing. Right? Only spotted in Hawaii, right? The the timeline (laughs) matches up. (laughs) <laughs> he said that he, the, they were building these things in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and he, that's when he bought it. Well, it makes it easy to hit that timeline when you list seven decades. <laughs> you know. It was in the 50s, 60s, well, 70s, he's not 80s, that 90s, 2000s, 2010s, <laughs> 2020s, now. Yeah. 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 They stopped building them. It's ongoing time. building is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Do you know where he visited his family? Like where he went? No, we don't know that. Can you put it out there to, like, him? I'm sure he'll be able to Google himself. Uh, sir. Yeah, call him out right now. He sh- he, you should allow him, at least, to come on the show and uh, sit in the chair, get him yeah. high. Talk about his own mystery. Hell yeah, if you're in L.A. <laughs> and you want to, do, you know, refute these claims. <laughs> oh, you could, you could also call in. We could do a call in. <laughs> you know, you don't need to fly all the way out from Hawaii. I don't want you to get, like, apprehended by this. <laughs> By this ex-U.S. marshal. The waiting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's in a rascal scooter. He's, he's, we can <laughs> deny everything. In a rascal waiting. Yeah. Listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but not on any, like, new technology. He, he ha- he's listening into you recording it. And then it yeah. replays the recording. He's got the ham radio he's, set up. <laughs> that guy with the big antenna on it. But, yeah, uh... It's it's very possible in my eyes. I mean, because it makes he we know at least we have very good reason to believe that he was in Hawaii at this time. At the same time, this guy was in Hawaii buying a house. He's got the look too, you know. He's, He's got. The look. He looks. He looks like he would idolize Steve McQueen. He had two years to like you know grow up and mature a little bit. He's like you know I need to invest. I need to invest yeah. in home. This area looks really nice. I can't imagine a volcano opening up right here. <laughs> he you didn't make gotta, that bad. <laughs> gotta pay in cash. Like, gotta find a place that uh, he can pay in cash. 
He might have. I think he might have even. I could be, not right, <laughs> but I think he built his home. Uh, so that's probably why, like, you can do all that stuff on your own with cash and stuff mm. and like that kind of labor. So there were homes around him. There were homes being built on this property, this royal gardens. Property. Even even mm. on the episode with Tony Bourdain, where they're going to see him because he's the only person left and lava's mm-hmm. flowing everywhere. They're developing. <laughs> Down on the beach in front of his house, they point out that they're throwing up like two new resorts. None. It's crazy, but obviously that didn't work out for them. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. though. What if he like bought a big piece of land early on and then the, the homes were built around him and he just chunked off little pieces and that's how he made his money. Kept that's... his money. Smart investment or something. Seriously. I mean, it wasn't, like, back then you would get a house on a piece of property. Yep, for sure. Especially if you were a rich 20-year-old Polish kid. Yep, definitely. With cash. Yeah, and in a weird American accent. Yeah, with a serious amount of cash. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, dropping 50000 there's probably some land in Hawaii, you know, at the time, where somebody would be glad to get that cash and not talk too much about it. Yep, yes. But also, I mean, no, no body of uh, Ted Conrad has come up. So, like, um, we have good reason to believe he's still alive. We have good reason to believe he never got a passport or anything to get out of the country. I don't know. And I'm sure there was some kind of look for him. Like, like they they treated that as a bank robbery, just as a fact. Like, yeah. they, they were looking. Mm-hmm. And he said that he altered his appearance. So that's like... Skinwalker! <laughs> I didn't even think of a thought about it. Yes, we never point. considered the cryptid. <laughs> we never considered the skinwalker. No one ever expects. Uh, for people who aren't familiar, check out my episode of Common Cryptids. <laughs> no, that's actually Tristan. Who oh, that, yeah, he was the uh, first. Uh, skinwalkers are a uh, cryptid that will take someone's skin and put it on themselves and try to impersonate that person to, like, get inside the group. In the same vein as the cockroaches in Men in Black. At least that's my, what we often compare it to. My favorite uh, story <laughs> about the skinwalkers are when they're not in the skin and how they walk, like how people see them. They walk, like, almost, like, animalistic and they're shifting constantly. Like, have you heard, like... The descriptions of like we did them. not talk about that. Uh, coast to coast is like one of like my favorites. Oh, yeah. Like AM radio shows since I was a kid. My dad was the freaking nut uh, about everything. Like in order to like be allowed to be using the internet, I went in like '95. My dad made me like do a report on uh, Roswell. Okay, <laughs> so you're well. In 1996, <laughs> uh, on a family vacation in an RV, we went to Roswell. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> I can't say that like you know. I, I, I'm ahead of that, like, a little bit of on the alien curve and the weird shit, but I love people's stories. I just believe everyone. It's why I work in the cannabis industry. It's like, you fucking tell me what's right, and I'll just listen and be like, all right, and this is what I got. And hopefully it's the best. (laughs) We try really hard. I definitely relate to that. There was more than one time where I was working a booth at, you know, MJ BizCon or, like, the Southern California Medical Marijuana Conference or whatever the fuck it is. And uh, guys would come up and just tell you things 
with no prompting <laughs> at all. Oh my god. There's one dude who was at every single con and he just went up to every single person, gave him a pamphlet talking about like how he had been abducted and like <laughs> how, this people, is his story. how Venusians had come and abducted him and like all this specific stuff. I can't really remember the details. I wish I had kept the pamphlet now. Yeah. <laughs> it was before this show. I didn't have my ear out for such oh, well, things. I mean, if you're listening to the podcast, because this is our audience right here. Yeah. <laughs> Reach out to us. <laughs> we will have you on. Uh, before we wrap this episode up, if you are a fan of High Mystery and you want to get a free mug, take a picture of you liking us on Facebook yeah. or following us on Instagram, and we will do a little drawing, and whoever's in that will... Uh, <coughs> Be eligible for a free mug and a sticker with our faces and our label on it. So. It's awesome. That is an awesome mug. I am really excited to yeah. have like a trinket of the show and this day. Like really, this is I, I feel special. Every time okay. you use it, you'll be able to put your lips on Rob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't want to say that I would like turn it to one of you guys either, but uh, I I'm not going to especially lick Rob. Or anything. Well, I am I right in the to. middle. It's true. It's hard. It, it'd be awkward to try and sip from either Tristan. <laughs> it's a real Rob sandwich on there. <laughs> I wasn't the one that decided on me. <laughs> you look good in the middle. Right? Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. you need those uh, eyeglasses. You're the cream. <laughs> Don't nobody sees my eyes. Uh, oh, we. I should ask before we go. Is there anything that you want to promote? We do uh, always ask. I spend all my time promoting cannabis. Yeah, uh, but like I always talk about safe consumption and uh, a thriving lifestyle is uh, kind of what I think cannabis is for. I don't think it's like a miracle drug or anything like that. I don't prescribe it for anyone or like tell people to do it as a response to anything like positive or negative. Uh, use it for like this is about you and your connection to a plant that has like terpenes and cannabinoids that are like hundreds and fifties and 200, 300 different things all in this one plant. And so it, it provides a lot of stuff that we just don't get anymore from our environment. Uh, and we can, and we are working towards that in so many different ways. And cannabis is just a cool little amazing thing that connects us and allows us to talk about mysteries and yeah, fuck yeah. be stony and laugh and <laughs> have a good time. Uh, and it also like, it's this brain grease that kind of gets us through, but through should be better and thriving every little day and making like little baby steps towards success is like recovery. And it's, that's what life's all about. I like that word thrive. Mm. I think that's a good way to like sum up what you're saying is like, it's not necessarily going to take care of your life, but it might take you to another step, another level. That. Yeah. Smoke backwoods. Uh, put the concentrate in there. I don't mean to brag. No, honestly, like when we smoked yours just now, I was thinking like it's hard to beat one that somebody takes love and care and attention and does like themselves. I'm talking about rolling your own blunts. You can't. You can't you, you say just, something better to me right yeah, now. You just can't compare it to like buying a pre-roll from someone because you know I've made those pre-rolls that they sell in the Smith trees. Yeah. You are making 250 of them at a time. Like even though you get really good at it. It's just, you're not going to take the same love and attention you do when you're making a blunt and filling it with, like, wonderful goodies oh, for your friends, you know what I mean? It's the same thing as, like, making a meal with the love, you know? Completely. Put a little love in your heart. Okay. <laughs> all right, well, that's all for this episode of High Mystery. Don't forget to like, comment, and subvert.
I'm Robert. I'm Colin. I'm Lance. All right, that's it. Thank you, Thanks guys. Thanks so much for Thanks. listening. Really Check out it. that Patreon, baby. I'm Tristan, and I approve this mystery. <laughs>